The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Dose the Leadership Podcast, episode 239. Welcome to another episode of the Dose of Leadership podcast, the show that brings you inspiring and educational interviews with today's most relevant and motivating leaders. Each episode is dedicated to highlight real-life leadership and influence experts who dedicate their lives to the pursuit of the truth, common sense, and courageous leadership. And now, here's your host, Richard Ryerson. Hey, welcome to Dose of Leadership. Thank you so much for tuning into the show. No conversation today, or no interview, I should say. The conversation is just me. Solo episode. I committed myself to doing this part of my strategy to start doing more solo episodes, short little tidbits, so that I could be a little more consistent about what I release. I'm still loving the conversations and finding the conversations, but I'm getting a little more selective on who I talk to. And so in the meantime, I would like to share my leadership thoughts and tidbits and hope that you'll find some value in these quick little lessons on my thoughts. And today what's on my mind, and I've spoken about this on previous podcasts, in a previous podcast I had, Courageous Leadership Podcast, I talked about this, had an episode dedicated to this, but I want to talk about it again. It's been a couple of years, and I see this because I'm constantly in organizations, it's probably one of the, the biggest things I help organizations with. In, in my personal life, my professional life, Dealing with um, aviation and flying and dealing with customs, is, and I'm picking on customs, yes, they do uh, a necessary job, but there are some custom agents out there that um, sometimes don't see the forest through the trees, and they're so wrapped up in what the book says, and they throw common sense out the window. There's a lot of good ones out there, but i got to tell you, some that I deal with, um, it gets a little frustrating, and I see that in organizations too. You know, it's particularly large organizations, and we have manuals, we have processes, we have regulations, we have laws. And yes, I'm not saying that they're bad and that we should, as a leaders, we should be rule breakers. No, they're there for a reason. And most rules, regulations, processes, and laws are created with the right intent. You know, they can be a good thing. We need them in our society for order, for civility, for safety. And look, as a pilot, I get it. I live and die by by rules. You know, every aircraft that I've flown, I have an operations manual, a flight manual, a rule book, if you will. That's literally written in blood. And I'm not kidding when you see some of those procedures and those processes are there because something bad happened in the past, historically, either through certification or through the real world. And so it's in our interest to learn all we can what the rule book says. You do what the rule book says, nine times out of a 10, 99.99% of the time, you do exactly what that book says. You're going to have a safe, profitable, and productive career in aviation. No doubt about it. So don't misunderstand me when I'm saying that, you know, I'm not saying rules are a bad thing. It's not what I'm saying. 
And in fact, in our flight manual, like I said, in the Marine Corps, and I may have heard me talk about this on previous podcasts, but the rule book for the aircraft in the Navy Marine Corps was called the NATOPS manual, the Navy, Naval Aviation Training Operations Performance Spec Manual. And in the opening paragraph of this manual, there's a blunt statement, and it says, I quote, This manual contains vital and required information on all aircraft systems, performance data, and operating procedures required for safe and effective operations. It is your duty to read this manual from cover to cover. It's your responsibility to have a complete knowledge of its entire contents. Makes sense. If you don't, something bad can happen. Property damage, personal damage, loss of life, you name it, it can happen. So it's pretty clear cut and straightforward, right? You don't follow the rules. You've got a good chance of losing your wings, losing your aircraft, maybe even losing your life. However, there is another statement or sentence in that opening paragraph that really gets to the meat of what I'm trying to talk about here. And it's very important. And it gets to the heart of leadership. It's the difference between being the by-the-book manager and someone who's a leader. And this statement says, and I quote, This manual, however, is not a substitute for common sense and sound judgment. That simple sentence, that phrase to me is the differentiator between someone who is so wrapped up around the book and to someone who is a leader who does the right thing regardless of what the rule book says, the process, the regulation, or even the law. And I don't take that lightly. Now, like I said, rarely will you have to pull out that card. But as leaders, we need to be prepared to always do the right thing regardless of what the rule book says because the rule book is not infallible. It was written by human beings. And there's no book, there's no policy manual, there's no regulation, there's no law that can cover every possible contingency. And that's the point. You see, we're always looking for the sure thing. And we think another process, another rule, another regulation, another law is going to solve it. Not the case. Rules are necessary and they can be a good thing. But like I said, there are times when doing the right thing will directly violate what the process, the law, the regulation says. I love to share this story to highlight how no rule, regulation, or law can cover every possible contingency. As many of you know that I spent 10 years active duty as a pilot in the Marine Corps. And my last tour of duty with the Marine Corps before I went to American Airlines was as, as an instructor pilot as a Marine, but I did a joint tour with an Air Force at an Air Force base, Advanced Air Force base to be specific. And I was at a phase with a young student named Lieutenant Dingman, and he was um, learning how to fly, or learning how to land particularly. It was his third or fourth ride. And so we did our touch and goes at an outlying field, an auxiliary field, which was about an hour's drive away from the military base. It was a base that the Air Force owned and only military instructor pilots could go there. And so we would go there and we'd beat up the pattern. We'd do as many touch and goes as we could. And a touch and go, as you know, you would land and instead of pulling the power back and braking and stopping, the second you land, you put everything back up to max power, bring the speed brake in, bring the flaps from full down to half up. Then you accelerate until you get to flying speed. You take off and you go do it again. So you can maximize how many landings you can get in a short amount of time. So Dingman, here he was, he landed, and he landed short. He landed pretty much right when the pavement starts on the runway, a little short, but, you know. And my we sat side by side in the airplane that I was instructing him in. It was a little jet trainer called a T-37. And we sat side by side. 
And my eyes were looking to my left. He was in the left seat. I was in the right. And I was looking at him, making sure that he was one, putting the power back up to max, putting the speed brake in. And I was waiting for him to raise the flaps when all of a sudden Dingman starts swearing, yelling. I won't tell you the swear word, but it rhymes with duck. And it kept saying it over and over again. And I looked up and what did I see? But four female deer getting ready to bound across the runway at about a thousand feet in front of me. Now, if you've ever been in a car wreck, you'll understand what I mean when how things slow down. It's actually called temporal distortion where you get snapshots of everything. And I remember the first snapshot was Dingman uh, wasn't letting go of the aircraft. I said, I got the controls, I got the controls, and he wouldn't let go. So I hit him in the chest and he let go of the, the controls. The second snapshot I remember was looking at my RPM gauges for the engine, or they call the N1 gauges, the speed of the engines. They said 88%. They were spooling up to 100%. It takes about, I don't know, 10 to 14 seconds for the engines to come to full military power. So they were on their way, but it, they weren't quite there yet. The rule book says, I shall not, will not, can't take off this aircraft with anything less than 100% military power. The second snapshot I remember was looking at the airspeed indicator. The airspeed indicator said about 85 knots. The rule book says you will not, shall not, can't take off this aircraft with anything less than 95 knots. The third snapshot I remember was looking at the flap indicator, and the flap indicator said 100% full down. The rule book says you cannot, you will not, you shall not take off this airplane with anything more than 50% flaps. So I had my flaps down. They were too far down. So there I was going down the runway at about 95, 100 miles an hour with four deer coming across my path with three rules telling me I can't take this aircraft flying. Common sense says do not hit four deer traveling 95 to 100 miles an hour down the runway with nothing but hollow sheet metal, a car battery, and a plexiglass top to protect you. At the end of the day, the broken rule, if you will, of 100% flaps is what kind of saved the day. Because with the flaps fully down, not at half, I had a bigger wing. And with a bigger wing, I get bigger lift. and with Or more lift. And with more lift, I can fly to slower airspeed. So I wasn't quite at 50% flap flying speed, but I was at a 100% flap flying speed and I can get the aircraft in the air. So I popped it in the air and I was about six to eight feet above the ground. And I remember watching one deer come across, go underneath my nose, and I felt my rudder pedals move because she hit the nose wheel of the airplane. I remember the nose, the airplane started to roll to the left. A little wave of fear came over me. I thought, oh my God, the left wing is going to hit the ground. So I didn't have a lot of aileron control because it was really slow, really mushy, not a lot of authority. So I remember I put in some right rudder to try to hopefully bring the wings kind of level. And it kind of did, and I pulled the power back to idle, and the left wing, left wheel touched down, the right wheel touched down, then the nose wheel touched down. And when the nose wheel touched down, the aircraft swerved off right 90 degrees, almost 
getting ready to go off the runway. Second wave of fear hit me then. Full left rudder, full left brake to get the airplane back on the runway. The airplane shimming like crazy, vibrating. We pull off the runway, shut the engines down. The aircraft nose gear collapsed. The crash fire rescue trucks come out. They say, oh my God, look at your wing. I had a dent in my left wing about eight inches long and about three inches deep on the leading edge. That's why the airplane was starting to roll because I had a dent in my wing. And uh, I cut another deer in half with that left wing. So I avoided the massive deer, but I killed one with my nose wheel and cut one in half with my left wing. And again, I got the aircraft in the air, but I didn't have enough go-go juice to keep flying because I didn't have enough power to overcome that drag. The bigger wing, I had more drag. Anyway, I, I didn't have enough power to keep going. But I had enough to pop it in the air over the massive deer. And I don't know for sure what would have happened if I would have not done that and hit the, here, the deer head on. But we've all seen what happens to a vehicle or a truck that hits a deer going 75 miles an hour, what has an engine block in it. Think about what I have nothing in there but hollow sheet metal. So did I do the right thing while I'm still here? And the consensus was a lot of people thought we probably wouldn't be here if we hadn't done that. And I know it's an extreme example, but the point is this. I have three rules telling me that you better not take this airplane or even attempt to try to take this airplane off the ground. If I wouldn't wrapped up around the rules and regulations, again, I just kind of reacted to this, but I remember thinking specifically, the flaps are full down, I have more lift. I remember thinking that in an instant. And I know that's what led to my decision to take it airborne. Nothing in the rule book, as you can imagine, to what to do when four deer run across your flight path. It's never happened in the history of the T-37 in that manner, and it's and it hasn't happened since. And so it would be folly and foolish to try to place a rule, a regulation, or a process in there to try to deal with that contingency. It's ridiculous. Again, the rule, the regulation, the process, the law, those are good things, and we need them. But as a leader, you need to challenge them and always ask why. And you must have the courage, the moral courage to do what is right, regardless of what the book, the law, the process, whatever it says, do the right thing. There is no substitute, absolutely no substitute for sound judgment and common sense. If you guys do not agree that that is the biggest problem that we are faced with in organizations and in our own personal life, email me and tell me that's not the case. This to me is the biggest problem that we have and the biggest opportunity for all of us out there as leaders to start making a difference. I don't care if it's how small the organization is or how big it is. There are opportunities every single day for us to, with intention, always do the right thing regardless of what it says and to take a stand. And don't be afraid to be polarizing. That's the other thing that drives me crazy. Don't be afraid to be polarizing. Make a stand. That's what leaders do. By the book, managers do that. They do because that's what they're supposed to do. Leaders lead. And they change processes, they change regulations, they change rules because that's the right thing to do. And that's the same with your personal life. It's from leading yourself to leading a, a multinational organization to leading this country. I don't care. Do the right thing.
Anyway, that's what was on my mind today. I hope you got some value out of this little tidbit. And I hope you don't mind that I was ranting and raving a little bit. But it does really torque me when I see this on a day-to-day basis. And I'm on a mission to crush this mediocrity and punch it in the face. And it starts with us as leaders to always do the right thing. Reach out to me. Let me know what you think about this show. You can reach me at richard at doseofleadership.com. You can go to my website, richardryerson.com. And drop me a line. Let me know where you're at in your leadership journey. I answer every email. It may take me a while, but I will get back to you, I promise. And it's amazing how many friends I've made through this show. And I'm always open to hear where people are at in their own leadership journey. No strings attached. Of course, I'm a coach too. I love coaching individuals. I have, I'm almost tapped out on all my coaching clients, but I'm getting one about to come to an end, but I'm looking for another one. And if it's something you're interested in, let me know. Also got the group mastermind that I'm, if, if coaching is a little too expensive for your taste, I got a group mastermind, achieving excellence mastermind that I'm trying to launch off the ground. Got a couple people that are very interested. Uh, no more than five people per class. And it's a nice economical alternative to uh, one-on-one coaching. If, uh, but you get some of the same benefits and then some, some of the benefits of group coaching too uh, in that achieving a significance mastermind. You can find out more details at richardryerson.com. And again, reach out to me and let me know. Subscribe, rate, and review. You know the drill. And I look forward to hearing from you. Again, go make it a great day. I look forward to seeing you in the next episode. Richard invites you to become a part of the Dose of Leadership community. Visit doseofleadership.com and sign up to receive his free Common Sense Leadership ebook, a guide that highlights how all of us can learn to become calm, confident, consistent, and courageous in all aspects of our lives. Richard is also available as a speaker for your next event. Richard specializes in practical leadership and change management. He has a philosophy of inspiring everyone to think and act like a leader, which is based on timeless natural principles and common sense. You can get more info by visiting doseofleadership.com.